Hello and welcome to Coffee and Confidence. I'm Bahara Piccarello and on this episode of Coffee and Confidence we're going to be talking about why men want feminists and why the traditional sort of way that we've all been brought up, well most of us anyway, the traditional uh, nuclear family or the family unit as we used to know it in previous generations is no longer appealing not just to men, but women as well. So we're going to talk about that. That's a very touchy subject for some people. So of course, I'm going to cover it. It's one of those topics that really is uh, important to me. I've always been drawn to um, the dynamics between men and women. I remember even before I had my own, you know, boyfriends in high school or whatever, when I was a teenager, I always observed relationships of of all ages, right? Um, Young couples and older couples and listen to, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins complaining about, you know, their relationships and just observing my own parents. And as an only child, I was sort of caught in the middle um, in many of their sort of squabbles and trials and tribulations. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I don't recommend that people have an only child just because while they do get everything, like all the good stuff, all the love and all the emotional everything, right? They also get whatever bad happens to be, you know, in the mix as well. Any kind of negativity, they get it as well. They can't get shielded from it. There's no buffer with other siblings and that kind of thing. But anyway, that was my life. And so I've always observed relationships and The more I work with men and women who are going through separation and divorce and are actively rebuilding um, and recreating and reimagining the second half of their life or the second act um, and, you know, sort of creating the the future that they wanted, obviously it's, it's different from what they anticipated when they got married. It reminds me of how much we're doing in this day and age that is wrong. It's not working. Now, if you tell me that, you know, you've got it all figured out and all these progressive ideas are really working well for you and um, you, you think we should all adopt, you know, these practices and philosophies and everything, I would say, okay, show me where it works. Prove to me that this is beneficial, not just for you, but for hundreds and thousands and millions of others. And the truth is that a lot of these ideologies and practices are not better. They're not better for the individual. They're not better for the couple. They're not better for the kids or the family unit as a whole. They are creating things. Like if you have to try really hard to create something uh, and make up new rules to go along with it, then that makes me question. I go, what are you doing then? You're trying to recreate the wheel. Why? Why? Because you're not happy with yourself. And that's the nail on the head. That's what it boils down to. Because each and every person that is determined to change every single aspect of what used to work, but now cannot be that way in their world, it's because they truly are not happy with who they are. They are not happy with who they are sexually, um, mentally, emotionally, physically. They're not happy in their own skin. They don't like their reflection. They don't like 
who they are. They probably don't have great family relationships with their parents or their siblings or aunts and uncles. They might have been abused at some point in their life. And this is, I mean, you don't have to dig very deep. This is stuff that if you talk to somebody for a couple hours, I mean, you start pulling all this. Well, at least I do, because that's what happens when I talk to people. And I don't care if they're not paying me. And if you know me really well, you know. I love to talk to people who don't pay me, right? So I'm sitting there (laughs) talking to somebody and I'm pulling all this stuff and it's just organic. I mean, I just happen to do it. I don't know what the hell I do, but I, I just do it. And all of a sudden they're telling me all this stuff and I go, shit, no wonder. It is not hard to figure out. You don't have to dig very deep. And all of a sudden you realize, you go, oh, that's why you're like that. Or in some cases, that's why you're fucked up. Oh, it makes total sense now. So let's talk about the the main topic here, which is what happened between men and women to cause men to like and want a feminist. Well, if you tell a guy over and over and over again that he's doing something wrong, guess what? (laughs) The next time he tries to do it, he's either going to do it worse so that you don't ever ask him to do it again. Or he's going to say, well, you know, honey, you just, you do it better than me. You know, this is, you're independent. You, you, you don't need my help with this. And they throw their hands up and they back off and they go do what they want to do. But you're the independent woman. You don't need your man to help you with that. And he's over there scratching himself, right? Because you're the independent woman. How many times does a guy need to hear that a woman can make just as much or more than a man? So all of a sudden, he's not pushing for that next promotion anymore. He's not really trying to climb the corporate ladder. He's not trying to go for that, um, you know, that second shift on the job to make ends meet. He's just going to be like, hey, babe, you know, uh, (sighs) you like that equality stuff. Why don't you go ahead and, and you make the ends meet? I, I'm doing my job. Now you you go out there and, and you make up the difference. Go ahead. I'll be here when you get back home. How many times does a guy go, yeah, I'm fine. I watch the kids. Go ahead and go hang out with your girlfriends. And you come back and the house is a mess. Nothing's washed. The kids are eating goldfish in the bathroom. I mean, yeah, the kids are still alive, but it's not the way you would do it. No, it's the way he would do it. And guess what? He's watching the kids, kind of, sort of, right? Now, let me just say, these are, you know, some examples because there are men and women who operate this way. And I also know a lot of men who are awesome dads and great at keeping up the house and cooking and, you know, maybe even do better than their wives, um, or girlfriends in that capacity. So I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, discount them or, or, you know, make a blanket statement. Cause I know there are a lot of good guys out there who do above and beyond. Right. But for women who are, you know, just hell bent on this whole equality shit, um, they tend to be with somebody who is, in some cases, a cuckold, in some cases, a beta male, in some cases, 
completely emasculated? And why is that? Well, I have read and studied this topic and continue to do so because I find it fascinating. And you have to know where the trouble started so that you know where it's going and how to stop it or correct it. When people ask me, Bar, why at your core, why do you want to help men and women after divorce? Why? It's not necessarily, yes, I do want to help the men and women because I truly believe that they need support and they don't know what the hell they're doing, just like I didn't know. But it is 1,000% more about the kids. And I say that because I have my own that I'm raising. And when moms and dads go through separation and divorce, it's usually because they don't, something happened where they don't know what they're doing, right? And they made bad choices and they made mistakes and they didn't discern and they got on the wrong track. Maybe they were the good, you know, quote unquote, the good parent and they, they married somebody who's the bad parent, and really wasn't cut out for family life or whatever the case may be. But the fact remains that you are still now raising kids out of that union. And those kids did not ask for that that set of parents that they got. And they still deserve to learn and to follow positive examples and to figure out what a healthy relationship means and what it means to live a happy, healthy, successful, prosperous life. And if you can't show them, well, who the hell is going to teach them? The teachers? The teachers are not working right now. Do you know what I mean? And if they are, they're teaching through a screen, which is not the same thing. Okay? So it's all about the kids. Our kids are growing and they are the next generation. And my kids are going to be teaching my grandkids. Right? So, and the same thing for you. So it is more important for me to break the cycle and to change the course of families in America. And how do I do that? I do that by working with every single mom and single dad that I can to heal from the past, learn in the present, and rebuild, reimagine, and recreate the future that they desire. So how do we do that? Well, we look backwards. Now, in the 19, prior to the 1930s and 40s, when um, most of the world was going through, you know, World War II, if we talk about before then, um, I think it's safe to say that most uh, families, you know, the woman stayed home, the husband worked. You could not marry if you didn't have a way to provide as a man, if you did not have a way to provide for your wife and future children. Now, maybe you were not well off. Maybe you were not middle class. Maybe you were kind of poor, but you still had to provide. You still had to be a better catch than, than what she had on her own, right? Otherwise, that woman or that young lady would probably go and be in service of some kind. She would have to work for for somebody or, um, you know, work in a shop or something like that um, because she had to find a way to help her family, right? So she was probably working herself. So 
in general, men had to really be prepared for that. If you wanted to reap the benefits of marriage, which was sex, really, um, that was expected. You know, yes, men sometimes waited a little bit longer to get married, but at, at any point, even if they were in their 30s and 40s, which at that point was kind of on the older scale, they could still find somebody um, who was, you know, a teenager or in her 20s or even 30s, right? But closer to the teens and 20s. There was no problem if there was an age difference back then. And the family of the girl would be fine with that as well. But in the 30s and 40s, We start to see a shift. A lot of men were, you know, went off to war and women had to work more and more. They had to make ends meet, you know, they were on their own or their husband um, died in the war and so they had to work. So we started to see, you know, the women starting to say, well, I can do it, or I can start to wear pants, and I can go get a job, and I can do this, that, and the other. Well, obviously, they weren't getting paid a lot, um, and there were still certain jobs that only women could do. You know, they um, like you wouldn't see a man as a secretary back then. For the most part, it was usually um, a woman in that position. But you wouldn't see a woman in a high-level executive position either. It was always a man. So, there were still sort of girl jobs and boy jobs back then, right? And then in the 50s and 60s, or let's say 50s and early 60s, women were still, you know, depending on your class and your status, your society, you know, or community status, the goal was to be able to get married and have kids, and you would go to lunch or you would be part of the PTA or you would be part of, you know, the mom groups or whatever. And you would take care of your family and you'd make sure that um, your family was fed and clothed and you did all that stuff. And you're, you were home for your husband in the evening and, you know, um, you'd go on to parties and activities on the weekends. And that was life for, you know, typical uh, middle class families, right? If at that point in your in the 50s and early 60s, if a woman wanted to work, it was actually, you know, kind of a slap in the face for the guy. Well, why does she have to work? Aren't you not making enough? And the guy would go, she wants to work. Why does she want to work? That's crazy. Why would she want to work? Now, these days, fast forward, if a woman wants to stay home and raise her family, raise her kids, people question that and go, well, Was she lazy? She doesn't want to work? Well, actually, if you've ever been a stay-at-home mom, it's exhausting, especially of young kids. So I know a lot of people who would rather go to an office every day than to stay home and raise their kids. But now that's the question because society has changed the way it looks. Because, and the funny thing is, when you look at women, and here's... You know, the and when I'm saying men want, you know, feminists, it's it's kind of a sarcastic thing too, because you know, a a someone who prides herself as, you know, being um completely independent and, you know, the working woman and I can do everything my man can do, or I'm the working woman and he's at home or whatever. Well, 
she may or may not be pulling herself together every day. She may or may not be getting her highlights done on a regular basis. She has money for the Botox and the lip fillers and things like that. And her husband's at home, right? And he's losing himself in the sweatpants and t-shirts. So it's kind of flipped. But here's the thing, when from a stay-at-home mom perspective, and here's where things got kind of got a little messy. It used to be that if you were staying at home, that was your pride and joy. That was your domain. And you took really good care of it. Not everyone had money for, you know, a housekeeper or a maid or, you know, help like that. They did it themselves. So they did all the cleaning, all the cooking, all the child rearing themselves. And houses were not particularly big back then, but the woman took care of everything. And before her husband came home, she went, you know, she got dinner on the stove or whatever, and she would take 15, 20 minutes, go to the bedroom or vanity, and she would doll herself up a little bit. She'd get out of her house dress. She'd fluff up her hair a little bit. She'd put on some lipstick or some rouge. Her nails were already done. And she would make sure that she was presentable so she didn't look like she'd just been run over by a Mack truck when her husband came home. So that he didn't have to ask, well, what the hell did you do all day? You look like shit. You look like the same woman I left this morning ruffled up in the bed. Why have you not changed your clothes? Why have you, have you not gone anywhere? You didn't do anything productive? That's what you look like. When you look like that as a woman who didn't bother to take care of herself today. And then we wonder why the guy has, to, has the nerve to ask that question. Well, there are plenty of days where I would ask that same question. I'd be like, what did you do? You clearly didn't even brush your hair. So that's where things got a little messy and people go, okay, well, so if she's at home, what the, I, I don't understand. My mom didn't act like that, right? My grandmother didn't act like that. So all of a sudden now you're telling me with all this technology and all these, you know, conveniences that we have now, now you're telling me you can't even go, you know, brush your teeth and change out of your sweatpants. Come on. So the dynamic of families and, and mostly, you know, the relationship with between mom and dad has really changed over time. And what happens? Kids see that too. Kids are witnessing that. My kids have always seen that I'm mom and there are certain things that mom does. And there are certain things that the dad figure does. I've always had as long as they can remember for the most part either my dad was around or I had a quality male in their life or in my life and they would see what that dynamic is like and that's important because there are certain areas that I take pride in and there are certain areas that a man takes pride in and we start to crisscross all those wires, kids start getting confused. Not to say a woman can't take the trash out or she can't cut the grass and the man can't cook a meal. I'm not saying that. But when it comes to knowing the weaknesses and the strengths of each individual person partnered up with their romantic partner, 
How does that relationship thrive? What is the best, healthiest way for this relationship to move forward? And let me tell you something, after hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of cases, more often than not, when it is (coughs) flip-flopped, excuse me, and the woman is the, you know, feminist, I believe in equality and I can do everything my man can do or I can do it better or I make more than him or he's at home and I go to work or, um, you know, I make more than him or, you know, so on. That relationship fails. It fails. Now, on the flip side, there are plenty of relationships that fail when the guy goes to work and the woman stays home and, you know, that kind of thing too. But there's a higher probability when you change roles and when you change things, relationships and family unit intricacies and you turn it on its head, things fall apart. You can't take something that has worked for hundreds of years And they go, nah, you know, uh, we're going to do everything different now. We're going to make up new rules. Everybody plays a new role. I'm going to see how that goes. Well, it's not going well. (laughs) That's the reality. It's not going well. And now kids are getting confused. Now it's not just a matter of kids being boys and girls and knowing their place and knowing their role and how to be good, you know, strong, successful, happy, content boys and girls. Now they're going, no, that wasn't enough. Nope. Now we got to decide we're nothing. We're neither boy, neither girl. Or we have to decide we're some of each. Talk about confusion. And there's a very, very, very small percentage of boys and girls who are genuinely confused. Very, 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 very small percentage who are genuinely confused. And in which case, obviously, they need mental health, you know, because they're not well. They're confused. And they probably have other underlying issues as well. So they need help. The rest of the boys and girls who are just kind of going, oh, this is kind of cool. This is what gets me attention. This is what my friends are talking about. This is how I'm going to fit in. It's a trend. It's a trend now to be gay or lesbian. It's a trend now to be trans or wishy-washy or I'm still deciding. It's a trend And then they turn around to their parents and they go, well, they're screwed up. They don't know what the hell they're doing either. How are they going to tell me? So, yes, my goal is to change the future of families in America. And how do we do that? We have to know what the hell happened to these relationships, to these families. There aren't a whole lot of real men out there and there aren't a whole lot of real women out there either and let me be very clear you know some people say well bar how can you hate on feminists you're a big mouth you're this you're that listen i don't know where it said that you need to be a mute submissive 
walking on eggshells, cowering woman. Or the opposite is that you're a feminist. I don't, I don't know where it says that. To me, a feminist is somebody who thinks women are superior, that women do no wrong, that women can do everything exactly the way men can. So much so that they are shrill and disgusting and would risk traumatizing and abusing their children in order to make a political point or social point. And I saw plenty of women using their children in protests to prove a point while wearing a pink hat. Absolutely disgusting posters and costumes that they had for their kids. Disgusting. That, in my opinion, no self-respecting woman would ever put her children through. I'm an old-fashioned, traditional woman. I know plenty of big-mouthed, big-hearted, strong-willed disciplinarians, mothers, sisters, wives, girlfriends, cousins, aunts, daughters, You know, it's funny. People will say, well, Bahar, you're Iranian. I mean, culturally, like, you know, aren't the guys very sort of patriarchal and kind of, you know, dominant, machismo, whatever? And I go, I mean, yeah. But the women, are, you can't you can't touch them. <coughs> now, are there abusive relationships? Yes, as in with any culture. But I don't know any women like that. <coughs> I don't know any women who can't hold their own in their relationship. I'm the same way. We, lo- we love hard. We fight hard. And, you know, we bring that same strong will, that big-hearted energy, that passion to everything we do. And yes, we have opinions. And yeah, I have walked on eggshells in, in, you know, my relationships at one point or another. And it's not a great way to live. But I, I walked more on eggshells married to an American husband. I mean, I'm American too, but white husband. Than I did with any relationship with any Middle Eastern man. And I've dated Lebanese, Palestinian, Turkish, Iranian... Moroccan, so Egyptian. So, you know, figure that one out. So it's not just cultural. It's not just, you know, a particular age group or generation. We're seeing it happen more and more and more. And if we want to know how to change things, we have to look at what we're asking to change. Uh, You know, I heard it said today, actually earlier, that if you want, if you say you love America, you love the United States, but then you turn around and go, but like everything has to change about it. I love the United States, but like I want to change everything. I want to change the laws. I want to change social issues. 
XYZ. Well, then you don't really love it. <laughs> it's the same as saying, you know what? I really love my girlfriend. I really love her. But like, I want to change everything about her. I mean, like nine, 90%, you know, I want to change. You know, well, then you don't really love her because you want to change everything about her. No, no, no. I mean, you know, at the core, she's good. But like, I want to change like 90%. You know, no. Well, at the core, you're missing the whole effing point, Right. And that's how people are about this country and about a lot of social issues. Family life for me is very, very, very important. I have, I'm in multiple, multiple groups and people will comment and they will share, you know, questions and concerns. And there was a woman who said that she was having problems with her wife. So she's a lesbian. And basically, all the details came out where she basically turned everything on his head. Just everything was ass backwards, upside down. She totally made her own rules to every aspect of her relationship, every aspect of creating children, every aspect of raising them. And then, of course, none of that shit made any sense at all while she was trying to go through separation and divorce. Because you literally made everything up. And then now you're mad because it's not working out well. And you're mad because it can't, all the problems can't go away well. No, because you created something out of nothing. You created all these problems yourself. They didn't exist. You created them. These dynamics did not exist. You created them. The way that you would have produced children, you wouldn't have had that opportunity had you done it the way God intended. But because you turned it on its head and went out of your way to create and manufacture this life, guess what? It's not working for you. Surprise, surprise. And now it's falling apart. Big shocker. I could have seen that coming. So when we talk about wanting a feminist or, you know, or I I want someone who is sort of more emasculated or masculine, you know, or more masculine male, when we're talking about raising children to accept both gender roles and things like that, I mean, all of that, you know, isn't inherently bad or good, but we have to know where things started to fall apart so that we can make changes, not just for ourselves and our current relationships, but for our future as well. It is really, really important for us to understand how all these things that we want now that we think, hey, that's not so bad. Sure, I'll sit on my ass. My, you know, my woman can make all the money. That's fine. Guess what? Over time, that's not going to work well. And if I told you how many men who have working wives and are sitting home in their sweatpants are addicted to porn or have side relationships, would you be surprised? They have to feel masculine some way. And so if their wife isn't going to bring that out in him, somebody else will. We also have a big addiction to porn. And porn, you know, is not necessarily a bad thing, but it destroys a lot of relationships. It actually inhibits or 
um, natural interaction and intimacy between couples. So there's a long list of issues we could kind of break down, but this was something that was kind of on my mind today. I actually ordered a few books today on this topic that have been in my in my Amazon cart for a while, and uh, I think they're going to be great and going down the rabbit hole on this topic again. Like I said, this is just a topic that's really fascinating for me and really important because, like I said, you know, I want to change the future of families um, in America. And, you know, I want to do that for the sake of our kids. And how do I do that? I do that by helping every mom and single dad that I can. Um, we have a lot of learning to do. We have a lot of repairing to do. I believe with my whole heart and soul that we did not bring kids into this world. And I'm sure, you know, other people at different periods of, you know, history have been where we are today, where we're looking around going, how the hell did we end up here? I never would have thought that we'd be dealing with the issues we're dealing with now. But we are. But I believe that we can do something about it. So on that note, I thank you for taking the time to listen to Coffee and Confidence. And I hope you catch me next time. Have a good one. Bye-bye.